I'm not sure how you guys did when you were growing up, but obviously I grew up in a little different time frame than present. And for us, with my family and as large as we were because of the rate of us children, we made our own fun. Uh, we learned how to do stuff, and we were always outdoors. And uh, one of the things that we enjoyed doing was that, for some reason, we seemed to always be near water. Not all the time, but for the most of the time, we would be near a body of water, a creek or a river or something. And so we enjoyed the things we could create on water. And so we would build rafts and things like that, and much to my mother's dismay, uh, we would float ourselves down the river and do whatever. And part of that was kind of like, you know, we were kind of like pirates on the river, you know. Um, we were probably pirates on land too, but that's a whole nother story. But we just enjoyed doing those things. And one of the things that maybe you didn't do, but we did, was we, we had this um, imagination where we would think about treasure. You know what I mean? And so, that being the case, as we think about who we are in Christ, and as we as children would play and we'd have the treasures and all the stuff that we would do along with our creative uh, imagination and finding treasures and... It was just so cool. So when I came, as I did, to Ephesians chapter 2, as I've read many, many times, I thought, what an abundance of grace in Christ is revealed for us in this one chapter. Now, there are many chapters, obviously, but this one is chock full, as it were, of incredible graces of God given to us. And we're the recipients. And so let me do the definitions again to help us frame our hearts and minds as we look at this together. God's willingness to forgive us, this is his grace, his willingness to forgive us and bless us abundantly in spite of the fact that we don't deserve to be treated so well or dealt with so generously. I remember when I came to Chester... I never met the man, but Mr. Danzel was the owner, along with Mr. Baker, of Danzel Baker Funeral Home in Great Falls. And I was told by different people that every time you would greet Mr. Danzel, you would say, how you doing? And he would always say, better than I deserve. Can I get an amen? Amen. If we're drawing oxygen, it's better than we deserve. God's willingness to forgive us. His willingness to forgive us. And bless us abundantly in spite of the fact that we don't deserve to be treated as well or dealt with so generously. That's, that's my God. That's your God. God's grace enables us to be gracious toward others. And serve others using our talents and gifts to build up the church or the body of Christ. That's God. Because we are told in the scripture that as we're in these latter days, which we are now, that men will be lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, and lovers of money. And guess what? It's true. 
It's true. I would love to tell you that that's only outside the church. But, no, it's true in the church too. Lovers of self. I want what I want. I want it now. I want it the way I want it. Lovers of pleasure. When's the last time you attended a prayer meeting in a church? When's the last time you went to a function for fun in a church? Sounds like I'm being a little difficult again, doesn't it? It's not my heart. My heart is, what's our priorities? Many of you know that I had a great relationship with Dr. M.A. Thomas. Such an amazing man of God and such a precious friend. And now his son Samuel is that as well. And I'll never forget Dr. Thomas and I were in Columbia. Because when he was here and I could be, I was his Uber driver. I would take him anywhere I possibly could because it gave me time to be with him and learn from him. And so he was a scheduled to speak at a meeting in Columbia and I had had him in the car and we're driving and we stop at a red light I think it was on St. Andrews and there was all these protesters out there and they were protesting abortion I'm pro-life I'm in when Dr. Thomas said something that day I thought was interesting He said, don't you find it interesting that people will even come out on the street and protest something like abortion? But my question for them is this. Will they do the hard thing? He said, will they do the hard thing? What is the hard thing? The hard thing is to go in that prayer closet and stay there until God answers the prayer. Now, all that being said, because that was so many, many years ago, and you think about now where Roe versus Wade has been overturned, it's that's prayer. I, I couldn't tell you how many conferences I've been in over the years, how many gatherings I've been in over the years where people would pray, oh God, please overturn Roe versus Wade. I'm saying that because when we think about the things that God has done for us and is doing for us even now, it should be for us a call to prayer, first of all, for gratitude. He is what? He is forgiving me. He's blessing me. He's doing that in great abundance. And now it's not all about me, but, oh, God, what do you want? What do you want to accomplish in my life? And so as we look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and we see the grace being his enabling, gracious power being manifested in my life and yours as we touch the lives of others for his glory and for his praise. I want to just read through this and listen prayerfully. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. 
But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. And raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ, in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant promises, having no hope and without God in the world." But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by accomplishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to who were far off, and the peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and with God's household, and with God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom this whole building being fitted together and growing into holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. I hope you're in your heart and mind kind of keeping track as we went through that. There was a whole litany of the abundance of the grace of God revealed as I read through Ephesians chapter 2. But I want to take some time now and go through it a little more slowly. As I did last week, I'm doing this week, I'm using the Amplified Version because it really, I think, explains more in detail what this really is as we have this incredible grace of God. And I ran across this caption this quote this week I thought was so amazing I, I'm still working on it because I, it, it's funny it's something I, I know I've read I've had to have read it because I've read this particular document many times but here's what it said God's grace is the grip of the pierced hand did you get that God's grace is his grip of the pierced hand on my life the hand that was willing to give his life for me to have life the hand of Jesus Christ who hung on the cross for my sin and your sin that his grace is him gripping me 
and gripping you. It's not left to me and you to do all this. It's been done for us. And that's what Ephesians chapter 2 spells out, I think, so wonderfully. He said, you have been made alive because you were dead. You were separated from him because of your transgressions and your sins. Because that's where you used to walk. Because you followed in the ways of the world. You were influenced by the age in which you live. In accordance with the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient and the unbelieving who fight against the purposes of God. Sally Hudson and I were talking before the service. And she reminded me the other week when I... Again, ran across a caption I thought was so really, really good where because I was in nuclear weapons when I came to know Christ and this person was giving that analogy that when you come to know Christ, it's like a nuclear blast because it changes everything. And she and I were talking about how God changed us so dramatically in that incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit of God and I didn't even know who he was. And yet, there he was on that Sunday morning, so absolutely annihilating the evil in my life because of the blood of Christ and what Christ had done for me. And I continue to celebrate that even today. And then the rest of my life has been the cleanup, as it were, as this author said. Just getting rid of those things that we've allowed to come in, and sometimes we allow them to come in even as we grow in our relationship with him, which is sad for us. But he said, man, we lived under that influence of the world. I would just caution us today for us to be very careful under what influence we live. Because we're going to choose the influence. We're going to listen to someone. That's why it's so, so very dangerous particularly as our world is in chaos as it is now, not to take the time to read what the Word of God has to say. And that doesn't mean that we're going to get it all and get it all right. But, oh man, what a blessing to know that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is taking the Word of God and applying that to my life and your life, all of our lives, so that we can walk this out in these latter days of the history of the world and we can do so for the glory of our God. He goes on and says, Among these unbelievers, we all once lived, that's where I used to live, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Our behavior was governed by the sinful self. In other words, the desires of the flesh, I want what I want. That hasn't changed since the garden. Indulging the desires of the human nature without the work and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Giving in to those impulses of a sinful mind. We were by nature children under the sentence of God's wrath, just as the rest of mankind. He's, he's writing to these folks at Ephesus and he says, remember where you came from. 
Remember what God had to do for you to have the life that you now have and how that life is to be lived out in such an amazing way that the glory of God is revealed and because we are the light and the salt in our world today that others can come to know the same God that we know. But God, being so very rich in mercy because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. Here's that phrase. For by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved you've been saved saved from what the wrath of God God says there is a required punishment for the sin of mankind the only antidote the only solution is the blood of Christ if that blood has not been applied to your life then you don't have the solution that God ordained from the very foundations of the world You've been saved from God's judgment. And he has raised us up together with him when we believed. And seated us with him in heavenly places. Because we are in Christ Jesus. Now, in my outline here, I have little red X's all over. Because every one of them I'm looking at, well, wait a minute. Look at what I have in Christ. Look who I am in Christ. I am rich in his mercy. In fact, it says so very rich. I'm great and wonderful in his love, which he has given to us so freely. His grace, his undeserved favor and mercy. His salvation from his own judgment. And the fact that he has raised us up together with him, that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And he did this so that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Do you get that? Listen, and he did this. So that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Because what? He provided, he provided our redemption. Every one of us born with a sin nature, born to face the penalty of God's wrath, the judgment of God. And God intervenes for us. God intervenes for us and gives his son. And because he did, we now have life. And we ought to live like it. I I, I guess this morning I was spending some time in prayer and I thought, you know, we really don't really have life sometimes today. Why is it? Because we're looking at the wrong thing. How many of us here name the name of Jesus Christ that we, we truly know that we've come to the saving knowledge of Christ, that, that our life has been transformed because of what the Holy Spirit has done for us, but at the same time, we find ourselves worried about everything. We, and typically, we're worried about things that never take place. 
And as children of God, as those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, those who are, as Donnie said earlier, have the mind of Christ, we are to be the different ones who walk through this life right now with all the chaos, with all the confusion, with all this happening, and have peace that passes the understanding of man. Why? Because that's what God did. That's what God has provided. And it it cannot be done by human effort or human energy or even human will. It is done when we surrender ourselves completely and totally to the Holy Spirit of God. And this salvation, it's not of yourself. It's not by your effort. But it is, as I've been saying, as the word grace Defined so perfectly, undeserved, gracious gift of God. Thank you, God. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you, God. Thank you for giving me redemption. Thank you, God, for giving your son so that I could have life and have it abundantly and have it eternally. Again, to come off of what Donnie said, this is temporary. We put a whole lot of stock in what's temporary. Now, that doesn't mean be foolish, careless about life. But if our focus is on eternity, then we'll be doing the right things to honor and glorify him as we live the life here on this planet Earth. And know, and know... And he's the one that made all that possible. He, he's the only one that could. And he did. And it's ours. He goes on and says, I'm in verse 10 if you're following along. For we are his workmanship. I'm his workmanship. Fearfully and wonderfully made. His workmanship. But notice what it says. I'm his workmanship, his own masterwork, his work of art, created in Christ Jesus Reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and ready to be used for what? So I can sit around and think about how pretty I am? That ship sailed a long time ago. But can I, can I sit and focus on my Jesus as the Holy Spirit is working in me and through me for good works? And he says, which God prepared for us before taking the path which he set. That's why we do the serve every year. That's why you go online. If you haven't signed up, please do that. There are cards on the tables around the auditorium. Get them, fill them out as God directs you to do so, so we can see this body built up. And you'll see how that comes back later in the scripture. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth, who were called the uncircumcision, by those who call themselves the circumcision... By the way, if you read this over in Galatians, and here's what it says. They spied out our liberty. Do you know what that means? How could you know if someone is circumcised if you didn't spy out their liberty? It's called a peeper. Somebody looking where they ought not. But this was actually happening. 
You know, we talk about all the bizarre stuff today. I mean, think about this. These guys were so intent on everybody being like them, circumcised, that they would hide in the bushes, as it were, and peek to see who was and who wasn't. Kind of make you want to puke, right? We are those, he says, remember that at this time you were separated from Christ, excluded from any relationship with him, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise with no share in the sacred messianic promise and without the knowledge of God's agreement, having no hope in his promise and living in a world without God. He says, that's who you were. But I made a way so you no longer have to live as who you once were. And so those of us who are gathered here today, if we've truly accepted Christ, our personal Savior, we are not the same person. We're those who are living in this incredible redemptive work of God that was accomplished only through his son. In fact, it goes on to say, for Christ Jesus, for Christ Jesus bought us. By his blood. And because he did, listen to my little red X's here, because he did, he is our peace and he is our bond of unity. He's our peace. He's our bond of unity. That's why we can have peace in a chaotic world. That's why we can have unity. And by the way, if you listen carefully as I've read this, I hope you notice that there's no issue with what your ethnic origin might be. I love uh, what Ken Ham says. Ken Ham was uh, the guy who did the Ark Encounter in the Creation Museum. And he said, let's all take a moment and trace our roots back to Noah. How many people survived the flood? How many people survived the flood? Eight. Eight. Thank you very much. Four guys, four girls. Where did the rest of us come from after the flood? Where? From the same people. Well, guess what? We're all related. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin. None of that matters. We're all related. We can all trace our lineage, Ancestry.com, all the way back to Noah. So why is it? That we can get all jacked out of shape about the color of somebody's skin. I was watching a program. You guys know I like military because that's where God did so such a great work in my life. And they were dealing with some of the issues that came out of World War II and and um, because of the Japanese living in Hawaii, particularly. And one guy was saying, he said, and this was fairly current. He says. I was in the military stationed in California. Now, this guy was Asian, Japanese origin, but he was in California in the military walking down the street outside the base, and somebody walked by and said, you need to go back to Mexico. That's about how bright we are. I mean, really? But 
think about what God did when he accomplished all the work through through his son, Jesus Christ. It says here, he broke down the walls and brought us together. So there's reconciliation, there is unity. And all of this is for him to demonstrate, it says, in one body, in one body, that's us, with every other believer. For me, as I've had the joy of traveling through the years, and I'll be in other countries or other locations, and I'll encounter somebody, and with almost instantly, you realize, oh, wait a minute, this person knows Christ, like I know Christ. We have totally different backgrounds, totally different ethnic origins, as it were, but yet in Christ, we have this incredible unity, this work that God and only God could do for us to be one. And that's what it says, that we're no longer strangers, we're no longer aliens. We have this citizenship, all of us, and we're fellow citizens with the saints, all of God's people. We're the members of God's household. And just so you know, let me remind you, this building is not the church. This building is a church building. We are the church. So no matter where we are, in our homes, at work, at school, wherever we are, we are the church. We are the representatives. We are the ambassadorship of Jesus Christ, his church, his body, his bride, wherever we are. And how we reveal him to others may be the determining factor of how they view him. Whether or not they see him for who he really is. Or we have it so messed up. As I just described here that sometimes our prejudices and prejudices and our own personal preferences get in the way. But he, it says here, he is the chief cornerstone. Our foundations in Christ, in whom the whole structure joined together, joined together and continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart, sacred to the presence of the Lord. He's talking about me and you. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about us. So that all of us, every day as we surrender more and more to the work and person of the Holy Spirit, our lives are being changed and transformed more and more like unto him. And in him, it says, we have fellowship with one another. Real fellowship. Because we are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I mean... All the little X's in my outline. He's growing us into a holy temple. That's who we are in Christ. We're his sanctuary. This is not his sanctuary here, this room. This is his sanctuary here. What are you, what are you allowing into your heart, into your life? We're set apart. We're sacred for him. So it... It's mandate. It, it, this mandates how we talk, how we act, how we live our lives. And we do this together. So let me ask for you, please take the time to spend some time. In Ephesians chapter 2, 
And in your own Bible, put the little X's there. This is who I am in Christ. This is who I am in Christ. This is who I am in Christ. I'm in, I'm in his grace. I'm in his body. I'm in his redemption. This is who I am in Christ. I'm telling you, this is what makes a difference when our world sees us. When our world recognizes there's something different about us. The disciples are arrested. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. They were arrested. They were unlearned men, as those who are so learned would say. But they noticed they've been with Jesus. So my question for us today is, have you been with Jesus? Or maybe I should rephrase that. Has he been with you? At home? In your marriage? In the rearing of your children? In the caring of your grandchildren or those that may not be biologically yours, but God's given you influence in their lives? Is it Christ that's seen there? Well, what does that Christ look like? Well, suggestion. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the earthly ministry of Christ. He is revealed in those Gospels. And then for me, the verse in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, which says that Jesus did what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God. I have that. You have that. In him, we have that. So would you please, with prayerful, not, I don't want you to get so morbid in your introspection, but prayerfully, Holy Spirit, shine your light in my heart. Shine your light in my mind. What am I allowing in? What's there? What is of you that you would put your stamp of approval on? And what is there that needs to be removed so that my light and life could shine more brightly for you? I can only do that for one person on planet earth and that's me but that's true for you too and one day every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ if we're in Christ and we've given account for how we live this life and again it isn't because God is making requirements and demands of us or beyond our capacity. He is doing that because he knows it can only be accomplished through the Holy Spirit. So let him have his way in your life, please. Would you stand as we pray? Holy Father, you made the way. You proclaimed it to be true that our lives are not ours. And we've been bought with a price. And the price of Jesus was your blood. And for us to live any differently is for us to come against you. And so we stand today as recipients of your grace, those of us who are in Christ. And my prayer, Lord God, is that any person here who does not have that personal relationship with you, that Holy Spirit, please, before they leave here today, bring that conviction, bring that salvation, bring that redemption.
that only you can. But as we go back to our homes and our families and our work and our school, Holy Spirit, don't let us live in our junk. Don't let us be those who are lovers of pleasure, lovers of self, and lovers of money. But instead, let us be those who are lovers of you. Jesus, that's what you said. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love others as yourself. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing this work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.